The SBI show took a few days off, but we are back and there is plenty to talk about. This is the SBI show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivis Galarza. What's cracking, man? Nothing much, Garrett. We uh, we picked a pretty pretty good time to take some time off. We now we've got this stockpile of things to talk about. MLS is is getting crazy right now with the playoff races. The U.S. national team returned to action mm-hmm. uh, last last Wednesday, so we got to catch up on that. There's even some college soccer, uh, soccer to talk about. But what do you want to talk about? Uh, I, I want to apologize. I think the reason why we didn't do a show last week is I think this is on me this time, not on you. Yeah, it happens. Our schedules are just, you know, we're both pretty busy. Got a lot going on. Um, but we're back, and uh, you know, I'm sure people still want to hear what we have to say, especially about that U.S. win yes. against the Czech Republic, because there's definitely a lot to talk about. We'll get to that later in the show. Uh, but how how's, how are things in Arizona? Things things in Arizona are pretty good, man. <laughs> why, do, why do you ask it like that? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, now that you, your uh, your team is done for the season, the that you uh, team that you work for, uh, you're gonna have a lot more time. We're gonna crank. We're, we're I think we might go daily. I think we're gonna do a daily SBI show. Oh my god, could you imagine? No, I couldn't. We I should do a live it, show. That's what we should do. <laughs> no, nah, one step at a time. That's that's a, other people have the live show market cornered, but uh, maybe we'll do the short daily show covered or or by day or or every day every other day. I don't know if daily daily's crazy. There's no, nobody has time for daily. It'd be like a daily twenty minute show. We could just do it in the morning, but uh, I, I think we'll, we'll we'll keep it now. We'll try to keep this show short, folks. I know the last few episodes have been really long, and everybody and a lot of people say, oh, you should try to keep your shows to forty five minutes to an hour. We're up in the hour 40 range. Uh, we'll try to keep it a little bit shorter this time around. I will say one thing, though. I am so, I am freaking out a little bit because approaching this fall, this is the first time in four years where I don't have to work Saturdays and Sundays because I used to be I used to serve tables before I started you know, trying to be a soccer journalist. Then I worked at the RSL Academy, so there's always at youth tournaments on the weekends and stuff like that. In Arizona, I mean, the prime time to do stuff is at this time when the weather starts to get cool. So like I'm, I'm kind of freaking out. Like I, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm going to be like bouncing off the walls, turning my thumbs for the next few months. So I mean, hey, maybe you're we not, could do the show today. Well, you're, now you know what you're going to do. You're going to start writing, writing for SBI, man. We, you should get, nah, get you nah, back. Nah. I see. I'm too busy out here writing about you know Arizona <laughs> soccer, writing about ASU women's soccer. They're doing they're doing pretty good this year. No, GCU nobody, men's. nobody, nobody, nobody cares about that. I care about that. There's people <laughs> in Arizona who care about that. Hey, 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 hey. Hey. I thought I, I thought you were gonna actually say that you're just not that good a writer, so you probably didn't want to embarrass yourself. That's not. Why do you say it like that? <laughs> whoever wants uh, to know, whoever wants to know, if you if you've recently listened to the show, I contacted I was like what was it, two years ago and said I want to be a writer. I think the first thing I sent you to you was just it was just horrible. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. I will. My writing has vastly improved since then, but <laughs> I remember I said this to you and you're like, dude, this is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I don't pull punches for anyone who's ever, who, whoever wonders about trying to come write for SBI. And yes, we are always looking for writers. We, uh, we've got a pretty good group right now, but we're always looking for more. Um, you know, we're always trying to find those diamonds in the rough uh, and 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 folks who can help us out who who want to kind of start their careers in in soccer writing. Obviously, everyone and their mother's trying to be a writer these days, and it's it's not an easy business to break into. But no, we're it's always not looking- an easy business. It's difficult. But, we're, but you know what? SP is a good place to start. So uh, anyone interested, as we always say, just reach out, and uh, 
If you don't know how to reach out, find out how to reach out, and that's the first step towards making things happen. Yeah, if you're a young kid and, and you want to be a writer, seriously, just bug the crap out of Ivis. That's how you create the opportunities. I mean, dude, I served tables and worked part-time at a radio station and bugged the crap out of you and started this whole podcasting thing till finally someone got, you know, till I finally found a job that paid me full-time to kind of do soccer stuff. I mean, it's difficult, man. It's, it's not easy. Anyways, enough of that. The article I did send you, I did clean it up, so it was better than the original one that I sent you. So, I need... I need <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I'm not the horrible or of a writer. It couldn't be worse. It couldn't have been worse. Thanks, Ivis. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> look, I want to talk about U.S., but you've already wrote down the description of the show, so we will eventually get to that if you're hoping we'll talk U.S. first. Uh, we're not going to. We're going to talk Major Because it was like five, six days Because people, people want to hear about that. Anyways, we'll talk Major League Soccer first. Lots, lots, lots of happenings this weekend and plenty to talk about. One of the bigger games this past weekend was New York Red Bulls defeating Sporting Kansas City 2-0. to zero. Henri and Bradley Wright Phillips powering New York. This is a huge win for them, Ivis, because they keep pace in the Eastern Conference playoff race, taking advantage of a Sporting Kansas City side, which we'll talk about is in a really big slump right now. But for New York, Ivis, this was a huge victory at home for them. Uh, absolutely, a big win. And uh, uh, the folks in, in at Red Bull Arena were feeling pretty good about the victory, especially the way Terry Henry just stepped up and carried the team. Uh, he helped set up the play that led to the penalty, and obviously he scored an amazing goal. Going to be one, probably going to be a, a goal of the year candidate. I don't know if it's the winner, but it's definitely in that conversation. Um, but big win for them, and, and importantly, more importantly than, than than the two goals was the defensive work. I know they gave up a goal to Dom Dwyer, but defensively they stood up pretty well. And the thing is, uh, as big a win as it is, I mean, the Red Bulls are, are in, on shaky ground right now. They had to win the game. I think Terry Henry knew that. You could kind of tell going into – watching the game, you could tell Henry was was amped up for this when he was focused. He, he like he, Obviously, he's always focused, but you can tell when he's on another level on a given day when he is kind of just has it on a, in just kind of a different gear of intensity. Um, and I think and listening to him, after, uh, seeing the comments after the game – I think you can tell he is fully aware that his team is in trouble. His team's in trouble right now because the way the playoff race is stacking up in the East, uh, it's it, there's a logjam right now. Philadelphia is playing well. Columbus is playing well. Mm-hmm. New England, New England's obviously you know they're lighting it up. Uh, so you have you have all of a sudden this logjam, and right now they're in sixth place. They're in sixth place in the East. They're not in the playoff spot yet. Uh, and they do have a game in hand, but the, the schedule coming up for them is ridiculous. They, I mean, we're talking DC United, uh, Galaxy, Seattle. I mean, it's a you know murderer's row. They're, they're facing a murderer's row, and I'm pretty sure uh, Henri knows that because after the game, and even though this is kind of his thing, it, it, it never fails. Red Bulls win, Henri plays well, and after the game, he 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 pretty much is like. Uh, and Mr. Negative, Mr. Oh, listen, let's not, you know, let's not get happy. There, there, there were a lot of things that we needed to do better, and and there's more games to play. But he, you know, he did the same thing again this time. He he wasn't. There was no parades. There was no, you know, fist pumps. There was that he is fully aware that there's no no room for error, no margin for error. As far as Sporting Kansas City goes, mm-hmm. uh, four game losing streak. Uh, I, I know some people are like, what is going on? Why, you know, the, this isn't the same team that won MLS Cup. You know, why are they struggling? Uh, uh, you know, and no one, it, 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 there could be a lot of reasons for that. I actually just filed a story, uh, filed a feature for Gold.com on the whole situation of Sporting Kansas City. And in that locker room after the game, uh, you know, obviously they weren't happy, but they they played better this game. They, this was yep. the best game they played 
of their of this stretch of games, and they could have won that game. Yeah, you know, a couple of chances. Uh, if they take a couple of chances better, uh, you know, a couple of, of shots that were blocked, the Red Bulls, you know, got off, you know, off the hook a bit. Well, sport, uh, Sporting Kansas City also did get off the hook. That could have been a red card to Beasley. Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, that, that right. also probably should have been a red card to him too. Yeah, I mean, that's the consensus, you know. But in looking at the at, when in real time speed. Uh, Grajeda, the, the referee, I don't, I think he thought it was a foul outside the box, right? So as it's happening in real speed, he sees the foul. It looks like it's outside the box. He's ready to call it outside the box. Uh, I think the fourth official told him it was in the box. Um, we, we didn't get that confirmed by the referee after the match, but you know, it looked like he stopped, he changed his call. So mm-hmm. once he changed his call, I don't think he also factored in, well, if this was inside the box, I should give a red card because if you if you watch the replay in regular speed, Aurelian Collin is trailing right behind the play, so it kind of looked like okay he's near the play or that or he's or it wasn't necessarily the last man. So I, you know, looking at it from that standpoint, I can understand the referee's thought process and why he thought he saw what he saw. It's easy for us to look at replays, right? At, at slow motion, super slow mo, all the different angles. But you always have to look at the angle and the angle the referee has, and the speed at which the you know lies speed, and and that's why I think the referee called it the way he did. And and yes, Matt Beazer probably got pretty lucky there. Um, but back to KC, they played really well. They were all over the Red Bulls early on in that game. Actually, that penalty came against the run of play. Um, but the the attitude after the game was they were disappointed with the loss, but they they knew they had played better. They knew they had played well enough to win. And that's a step toward getting back on track, mm-hmm. getting getting things back rolling again. Definitely, uh, you know, Monday morning, uh, check out Goal.com and check out my piece on that. Uh, I talked to Graham Zuzzi, talked to John Dwyer, talked to Peter Vermees, and they all kind of uh, said similar things. Uh, you know, I thought I thought Graham Zuzzi had, had, had some really good things to say uh, about the situation. So, you know what? It's not panic mode time yet, but, you know, th- there's a lot of issues. There's a lot of, of things that kind of had contributed to this. Uh, they're, they're missing a lot of guys. When you think about Tina went on Maleska, yep. Jimmy Nielsen retired. Mm-hmm. Chance Myers uh, got hurt early in the year. Yep. Uh, and and was lost, out for the season. Lost for the season. Ike Opara lost for the season. That's two big blows to the defense. Obviously, Chance Myers is the starter. Uh, big drop-off from Myers to the guys that they've been throwing at, out at right back. Ike Opara's loss is huge because he helped give them depth at center back, helped Vermees rotate guys, <clears throat> keep guys fresh. And that definitely factors in once you get into the playoffs. They don't have Opara, uh, and that's costing them. That's hurting them. So all these all these things are factoring in. Having said all that, they can still be a good team. I mean, they they, they were they had a six zero and one run before this losing streak. So they they can still bring it. They can still play at a championship gear. Anyone writing them off, it, it just doesn't get the fact that look, it's MLS. Every team. Every team goes through these slumps. Every team has these hiccups, a couple of games where things just aren't going right. Hey, the Galaxy, they, they just had their own little uh, couple, you know, a month ago, they, 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 they couldn't figure things out. Now, look at them. They look unstoppable. Even Seattle had some hiccups at a certain point. So it happens to everybody. Uh, I, I don't think, no, nobody in KC is pressing the panic button. But uh, it, it's interesting when you think about the result. KC lost the game, mm-hmm. but they're feeling pretty good. The Red Bulls won the game. But they're like nervous because they know this is only the beginning. All right, I completely. Another guy we didn't talk about also too 
Zuri Roselle, who also left Sporting Kansas City on transfer too, and he had a big year for them last year on their march to the championship. So it's, I, I agree with you on the same point that, that every team goes through these slides. And, and, and you know, Sporting Kansas City, it also just goes to show that even with all these injuries and, and guys that they've had move on, I mean, they're still second in the East. That shows the depth that this team has. And, and they are making some defensive mistakes, but, hey, you look at their schedule next week, they got Chivas USA in the books. That should be a nice little... Uh, you know, bring some good vibes back to the team <laughs> that, type of game. That, that, yeah, that's that. That's kind of like it's almost like a bye week. It's like a, it's like a Christmas present of points right now because you know Chivas has lost eight of nine matches. They're disaster. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to say it. it's funny you mentioned the whole Matt Beasler thing because Matt, uh, you know, it, it's been a bit of a rough week for Beasler. Yeah. Uh, he broke. He broke. He actually broke his hand, and I don't know if this was reported anywhere. Um, but but you know, I I, I hooked. Up, I, I connected with him after the match yesterday. And, 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 you know, you saw the big cast on his, on his hand and, you know, he pretty much was like, yeah, you know, you know, he, he had a broken hand and, and playing with one hand is a lot tougher than he thought it'd be. I guess he'd never, he obviously had never done it before. Um, and like you said, he could have been sent off at least once may, and he maybe could have been sent off twice, uh, in that game. So, uh, the thing with Beasley is, and, and you could say this about Michael Bradley, these guys have not, you know, they've come back from Brazil and they haven't played to the level that you come to expect of them. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, uh, you know, Beasler, when he's at his best, his, he's the best defender in the league, right? Best center back, no doubt about it. Um, but his level has, this season, even before the World Cup uh, and somewhat after the World Cup, he's had his ups and downs. He's had his issues. And you, and you almost wonder how much fatigue is playing a part in this because let's, let's think about it now. Beasler played last season. They got all the way to the MLS Cup final. He actually got, I think, I believe he got married actually right after that, and then January they have camp. They have a January camp with the national mm-hmm. team right, right off the bat, full camp in January, and then they're jumping right, right into the MLS season. So, and and they've had the season. He had the World Cup, and you just wonder how much of a grind that's that's that is for that mm-hmm. him and and Zuzi, uh, how much that's and and a guy like Bradley, how much that's affecting those guys. Well, not that Bradley was in the January camp, but for Beasler, you wonder. You know how tired is he? And look at this schedule. They play they play Chivas, and then they have two weeks off from MLS play. Uh, they're going to have a couple of home games in the Concacaf Champions League. If I'm Peter Vermees, I'm seriously thinking about sitting Matt Beasler, resting him against Chivas. Because let's let's face it, you don't need Matt Beasler to beat Chivas USA, right? I mean, oh, I, maybe, maybe you do. <laughs> I, I, yeah, no, I'm going to jinx him now. Not Chivas is going to, you know, Eric Torres, Kubo Torres is going to score a hat trick. No, look. You got. They, they have to go all the way to L.A. They're, they're playing on the road. Let's, let leave Beasler home. Let him heal the the broken hand. Give him some time off. Give him some. You know, this is a perfect window here to give him. He, you could give him two three weeks off, and I think he needs it, man. I think he looks. He looks like a tired player. He looks like a player who could use a break. Yeah, it's just. When you, when you just watch the backline play for Sporting Kansas City, it just looks so unorganized. But a, a problem for me that I'm kind of seeing with them over this stretch is just the lack of, of help in the midfield, which is causing Beasler and Arian Collin to kind of go into chances and opportunities where, as a center back, you know, you, you don't want to go into every single challenge. I mean, sometimes you want to hold up play and allow your reinforcements to come back, but it just seems like if Beasler and Arian Collin play overly aggressive, boom, it's a mistake, and then the other team's going to score. It just seems like for Sporting Kansas City, there's just no, they're just, they're just not connecting from defense to midfield to forward. It just just kind of seems like everyone's just on different pages right now. Yeah, I gotta say, Lawrence Olam is not. Dude, he's is not, not. He's he's not picked right up. He's he's, he's 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 playing terribly. I mean, when you want, if you want to kind of get a list together of guys who are just not playing well, 
in the league right now. You can talk about Pamoduka in Portland. Yes. And you, and, and you can talk about Lawrence Olam in Kansas City. These guys need to either step up or step aside. And, I, and, what, and what I find interesting is Casey went and bought, uh, picked up uh, Jorge Claros, the Honduran midfielder, Honduran national team midfielder. I think the guy's quality. I think he's a uh, for MLS perfect uh, defensive midfielder. I and it, I meant to ask Peter Vermees this: uh, What's the deal with him still not breaking in the starting lineup? Where's the like? Is he struggling with Casey's high press system? I don't know what the deal is, but I honestly thought Claros would step in and start. I thought he was a perfect replacement for Yuri Rosell. He's still having issues, I guess, uh, adapting. But once, but if he does get things figured out, I mean, I like him as a player. Whether it's him or, or you know, obviously Nago, Paolo Nagarumur is another player that's come back now. They need to figure something out because Lawrence Olm's not getting the job done. Yeah. So, so they, I think Vermees is going to have to consider a change there. Yeah. And that's what's killing him. I mean, the, the, you're watching Colin Beazer have to step up, and then when they make the mis- you know, if they don't, if they don't make the correct stop. It, you know, you're seeing you're seeing what you saw this past game. I mean, just teams are just torching him up the middle right now. Uh, time to move on, Ivis. Time to talk Real Salt Lake FC Dallas. The Claire Cobalt defeated the Toros two to one. Robbie Finley, we had a sighting from him in this match. He scored the opening. Uh, he scored. He scored his first goal of the season for Real Salt Lake. He, you know, he's been out for an injury for most of the season. And then uh, Alvaro Sabarillo comes on. He scores. I think what six seconds into the match, first touch for him. So I mean, huge, huge, huge result for Real Salt Lake in this one. Because let's face it, LA and Seattle are running away with the Western Conference. RSL now gets a nice little cushion over FC Dallas, so they're in the third spot in the Western Conference. So a uh, big result for Real Salt Lake this past weekend. No, uh, no doubt about it. And you know, as far as FC Dallas goes, you know, we we, we were talking about their their impressive run and, and their impressive form in August, and could they keep it going? Should we start taking them seriously now as a, as a as a title contender? And that's the, this is the kind of match you got to win, right? I mean, you 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 gotta. They played well in this match, though. They did. They but played they, very they, well. I, I'm not writing them off by by no means. I'm writing them off because I still think Oscar Bray has done an amazing job there, considering their injury, considering the injuries. And everything they've had to deal with, uh, I think he's he's up, he's in that he's on the short list for coach of the year, no doubt about it. But this is a game. If you're Dallas, you not, not you don't you don't you don't have to win it, but you got to get a point. You got to get a point uh, to really keep the pressure on RSL. And you know why? Because RSL, they've now they're getting Sabrio back. They've got Sebastian Jaime, uh, mm-hmm. the forward that they added, who, who looks and dangerous on the outside. He he, he looks good, man. Dude, he so, looks awesome. So you had that. Javier Morales, obviously, was missing time. He was sidelined. If you're FC Dallas, you had your chance to really jump on them and and try to push ahead of them before they got the reinforcements back. And and I really think they missed the boat. Obviously, they lost to Chicago. They were missing guys for that game. So, you know, that made it tough, obviously, when you don't have Michelle, you don't have Blas Perez, you're on the road. Chicago is, you know, proving to be a tough team to deal with at times. So between that game and now this game, Instead of getting four, at least four points out of the, out of those games, they got zero. And now I'll tell you what, it's going to be tough for them. It is going to be tough for them to, to catch RSL for third because I think RSL is only going to get better now that they have these reinforcements. Now that they have Sabarillo back, uh, they're going to be a tough team to deal with. So I, I think RSL is going to hold on to that third spot. And now you're looking at well, – You also uh, look, you look ahead, look at schedules. I mean, you, you compare FC Dallas to Real Salt Lake. Real Salt Lake has a much easier schedule on paper than FC Dallas does. I mean, FC Dallas—they have some tough games coming up here too. Right. I mean, they're all the next game is you know they should win it. Uh, they play Vancouver, who can't score. You know they. No, could, but then you can't. got LA, you got Seattle, you got LA again. 
you know, right. Portland final game of the season. Portland could be fighting for a playoff opportunity they, the final game of the got, season. They, they've got Vancouver twice. They've got Colorado, who is dead in the water. So that's three games right there you, you like to think you can win. And the rest, you know what? They're tough, but they're also tough for the other team because FC Dallas is a good True. team. This, they're in that mix. They, they're, they're among the better teams. So it, they're not one of these teams that you say, oh, they got to go play Team X. Oh, you know, they're, they're in trouble. The other teams have to the other teams have to deal with Fabian Castillo and Tesho Akindele and all of that. So FC Dallas, I, I still think hey, they're they they can still make some things happen. They have some winnable games in their schedule. But I for me, I think they missed an opportunity to get into that third spot, which is huge because you don't want to be in fourth place. You don't want to have to play in the playoff game, uh play that extra game, mm-hmm. and then play on short rest in the first game of this of the semifinal series. It's such a disadvantage, and people want to talk about the playoffs and and does the regular season matter? Not matter. It matters when it comes to that having to go, you know, play those extra that extra game uh, on that short rest. It's gonna it's gonna play a factor, especially if you're an FC Dallas team. That let's say you get in playoffs. Mm-hmm. Let's say you play Portland. Let's say you beat Portland. Uh, then you got to go play probably Seattle on short rest in a two game series. Anyone think they're gonna that that's a that's a tall order? So. We'll see. Maybe FC Dallas can, can can still turn it around, but for me, I think they missed the boat. I think RSL. Uh, I think this is that was this was a huge win for RSL. Yeah, and also getting getting back uh, Sabario. I mean, Sabario. He's gonna be huge for Real Salt Lake. I mean, you know, being able to have a guy like that come back from an injury. Just, I mean, look, guys like him. It just goes to show what world class. I mean, he's not a world class striker. I, mean, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here with that, but it just goes to show what a guy who can score goals does for a team. And having him for the final stretch of the season. Man, RSL, man, they're even more dangerous now than they were before without him. And add Sebastian Hame in there. R- RSL's a tough... I mean, the, the three teams in the West, LA, Seattle, RSL, man, dude, playoffs are going to be awesome watching all three <laughs> of these teams. <laughs> With the thing, uh, you talked about RSL's schedule. They still have two games against Chivas, Chivas USA. USA yeah. That's huge. That's huge because they have two games against Chivas USA. FC Dallas has zero games against Chivas USA. So that's a six-point swing right there. No, no offense, Chivas USA. You're pretty much a three-point automatic at this point. Yeah. Look, West is going to be awesome with those three teams. Actually, every team is in the West. I mean, like we said, FC Dallas, nothing to take away from them. Also, Michelle had an unbelievable strike in this Slow game, Slow down, man. Oh, my God. Relax. <laughs> I'm getting excited. I'm getting excited. A, the Red Bull is kicking in, man. I, I can't know. even hear you. It's like Max Head. What I was here. saying was Michelle had another beautiful goal for FC Dallas. He's had a wonderful season for them this year. He's done well. He's done well. He's had a good season. Wonderful season. Whatever. Uh, Philadelphia <laughs> defeated Toronto FC 2-0. to zero. Ivis handing Toronto FC their second consecutive loss. <laughs> Both these teams played back-to-back. I'm, I'm wording this horribly. Uh, big wins for uh, Philadelphia Union because they overtake Toronto FC in the Eastern Conference playoff race. Philadelphia is right now in the fifth spot. And, uh, I mean, look, it's, it's typical Toronto. They had chances. They couldn't convert them. Philadelphia took advantage of their opportunities and finished. And, uh, I mean, Philadelphia, big week for them. I mean, six points against Toronto FC. That could bite Toronto FC in the ass come at the end of the season. Uh, yeah, it was a lot. That was a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, Philly, look, they're on a roll right now. Philly's playing with a lot of confidence. They're very organized defensively. Jim Curtin has done a great job of organizing them. Uh, where early in this earlier in the season they were they they were so accident prone, they were so mistake prone, especially late in games. I mean, to, it, it's I'm sure if any any Union fans want to depress themselves, they can they can think about the lost points, all the points that the team dropped uh, late in games early on in the season. That could have I mean they could be in third place in the East right now, uh, uh, pushing for second if they hadn't hadn't had all those 
you know, blunders late in games. But right now, that's that's in the past. Right now, they're on a roll. Uh, they've responded extremely well to Jim Curtin. They're, they've won four out of their last five. Uh, and they're in a playoff spot right now. And, you know, Toronto is a, Toronto's a mess. Toronto's a mess. Usually when you get a coaching change, you get a boost. It, it propels you. And, and no, they've had two straight shutout losses since Greg Vanny took over. Uh, so now I'm sure somewhere Ryan Nelson's, you know, chuckling, thinking, uh, so, yeah, maybe it was, maybe I wasn't the problem. Um, but Toronto C, man, they, they, it, for all the money they spent, for all the promise, for all the uh, the feeling that it was a new day, a new it's a new era, Toronto FC. Forget making the playoffs for the first time ever. We're gonna push for an MLS title. Like the you know some there were some fans in Toronto, there were some fans out there who got a little full of themselves, got a little overexcited, and and it's crazy to think that not only are they not among the title contenders, they might not even make the playoffs right now. They don't look like they're going to make the playoffs. And we're talking about when you think about the money that they have spent on Michael Bradley, Jermaine Defoe, Gilberto, uh, Julio Cesar, Julio Cesar for the half a season, uh, all of that. And they're pro- it, right now it's not looking good for them to make the playoffs. It's a disaster. It's an absolute disaster. And yes, it should not be over. It should not. You can't overlook the fact. Yes, they've had injuries. They're missing guys. Stephen Caldwell is a big absence for them. Jonathan, Jonathan Osorio is a big absence for them. But there's no excuse for how bad they've been, how, how uh, their their attack hasn't been able to produce. And this is across the board. No one is no one is uh, uh, you know no one is above uh, criticism. Even Michael Bradley. Michael Bradley has not played well since no. the World Cup. Even though I thought in this game he's tried to he tried to step it up. He tried to push the team on. You saw him making these half field runs. Looking for people to combine with the one that was there the, the, was the one moment that was just like you kind of like and I tweeted this and everyone like uh, a bunch of people jumped on me like oh no why you don't have to feel sorry for him but there was a point where he dribbles up the field he dribbles through I don't know how many players and he tries to combine with Kyle Becker he lays off a perfect pass to Kyle Becker he makes his run to to kind of you know try to work a give and go and Becker's first touch is a disaster. Now, if you're Michael Bradley, you've just run 50 yards to combine to try to make something happen, to try to salvage your team season, and the guy can't get a, a decent first touch on the ball. So what happens five minutes later, the next time Michael Bradley has the ball, he runs 50 yards, and he tried to run through every the entire union defense, which obviously wasn't going to work, but it just showed the frustration in Bradley mm-hmm. that that the, the other guys just aren't getting the job done and 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 that's kind of infectious right now in Toronto. That team is a disaster. Hmm. It, it, it's just bad vibes all around. I mean the they have I mean the last month and a half is just watching them their their quality in the final third has been atrocious. I mean you saw it last week against doing I mean yeah last week against New England Revolution when they lost. I mean everyone no one was on the same page. No one could connect a pass. It's just Toronto FC, man, it's just it's amazing just how they, it's just amazing just the tailspin that they're on right now. Things are things are not going their way. I mean, no. they hit the they hit the Woodruff twice in this game. Uh, yeah, you know, Bradley Jackson hit had, it in the 80, 89th minute, and then there was one ja- was the other one. Jackson had a header off the crossbar yeah. where he should have scored. I mean, he, he's got a clear header; he's got to score there. And then Bradley hits a rocket, a uh, follow up shot, and hits off the woodwork. Uh, that's when you just got to know, that's, man. That's it's, Toronto's, not, it's not your day. That's their not, that, yeah. that's that's their season in a nutshell. The the past month and a half, no one's been able to finish for them. I mean, Gilberto, is, I think he's missed at least five opportunities for them. Yeah, they're they're a mess. They're and I, honestly, at this point right now, uh, even if even when they get their their guys back that they're missing, 
Uh, I just don't see it. I do not see them turning it around. It, it's even though look, it's MLS and teams go through slumps now. But slump, I don't even know if you can call. Uh, it, you know, they're they've oh four and one in their last five. Uh, two six and uh, two six and three in, in their last eleven. Two wins in eleven matches. It's going to be hard. I'm telling you, it's going to be difficult. Uh, even though you look at the next couple games, they got Chicago, which isn't isn't you know it's a winnable game. Chivas USA, okay, they'll break. They'll get three points there. They're they're if you don't get three points against Chivas, just just give up. Just if you're Toronto <laughs> FC, if you're Toronto FC, your season's on the line, and you're playing Chivas USA. If you're not getting all three points, you just might as well pack up shop. But then they get Portland, LA, Houston, Red Bulls, Montreal, New England. A pretty rough stretch for them, and they pretty much have to. I, I don't want to say they have to run the table, but. They've got to win about four of the four, five, probably five of those matches, which is not going to be easy. No, it's not. But then you know you still have your other teams around them. New York that's still fighting for a chance. Houston's not too far off the mark either. It's uh, it's not going to be easy. Also, want to point not, out. I'm sorry. Go ahead. They're not going to make it. I'm no, just going to go on record right now. They're not going to make also, it. Also, yeah, I agree. Uh, also, uh, Andrew Winger had, that trade is. I know. I know Jack McInerney's also worked out for Montreal, but uh, that trade's worked out for both teams. Andrew Winger's been been pretty good. For Philadelphia Ivis. Well, he's started to heat up now. He's started to warm up. He's gained some confidence. Uh, you know, starting with that San, uh, the win against San Jose. Uh, you know, I, I talked actually. I got a chance to catch up with him after that game, and and the relief in his eyes. I mean, he he, he it, it had actually been a pretty frustrating time for him uh, in Philly since he had gotten there. Um, but then, you know, he got those two goals, and that that set that I think that gave him a, a level of of confidence and com- and comfort. That now he can play a little looser, a little more relaxed, and you're seeing the results there. You're seeing him. You're seeing him make more of an impact, and that's huge for Philly because they can't just rely on Sebastian Latou uh, to carry the attack. But now they have Latou, they have Connor Casey, they have Andrew Wenger, they have Christian Maidana playing well, Vincent Nogueira playing well. The defense. Tell you what, man. And look, Zach, how about Zach McMath, folks? Let's let's take a minute to talk about Zach McMath. Post two shutouts, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago when when Ryzen Bowley made his debut. In the win against San Jose, and everyone's like, "Oh, this is it, Zach McMath. He's going to the bench. Where's he going to go? They're going to trade him. Uh, you know, can you get anything for him?" Zach McMath is the most disrespected player in MLS, man. The guy, all he wants to do, like he he keeps on delivering, even in the face of of, of I don't you know I don't know want to say disrespect, but in the face of disrespect, he just brushes <laughs> he just brushes it off. And he keeps playing. He brushes it off. He keeps delivering. Look, no one's saying, no one's saying that the guy is is Manuel Neuer. No one's saying the guy's Thibaut Courtois. But the guy is a solid goalkeeper. He's young. He's the, he's still learning, but he's improving. He had been improving. Uh, yet Philly still didn't see in the uh, the not the team, but the the upper management that still had no faith in him. They still went and spent all this money on Risenboli who they consider to be a significant upgrade. But I tell you what, man, the guys in that locker room are behind Zach McMath. The guys in that locker room believe in Zach McMath. And I, I tell you what, if he he might wind up holding on that job because if you're Jim Curtin and Zach McMath is giving you everything and Zach McMath is posting shutouts and that defense is playing well in front of him, how do you make a change? How do you make a change? You, it's tough. You it's, don't. You I, ride with what's working. Exactly. You should. But that's going to be the interesting thing there. Uh, yeah, you well, know, this it, is it, M- this is MLS, and we do see ridiculous things all the time. So, well, that's gonna well, that's gonna that that's gonna be the interesting dynamic playing out in the background uh, at at Philly 
because the McMath keeps playing well. They keep posting shutouts. They keep winning. Uh, and then you have this expensive foreign goalkeeper that you brought in uh, that the front office is going to have at some point. Are they, you know, are they going to butt in? Is Nick Zakevich going to put a call in and say, hey, Jim, you know, I spent all this money on this guy. You, you know, you should probably play him. So that's it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, because if you're Jim Curtin, you got to be careful. Because, like I said, the team believes in Zach McMath. Uh, you know, that group of players that they have there when you talk about Amovia Kugo, Ethan White, Marisa Du, Ray Gaddis, Shannon Williams, they're a tight-knit group because they all came in together, uh, the, uh, the nucleus of them. When you want to talk about a Kugo, Williams, Gaddis, uh, you know, they've been there a while. They're, you know, they, them and McMath, they have that understanding. So if you make a change that isn't based on merit, you, I tell you what, you could shake, you could call, you could cause the team to lose this impressive, incredible form that they've been on. So, I, I don't envy Jim Curtin because this is going to be a, a interesting one for him to navigate, and he's doing an amazing job. So I'm sure he'll he'll make the right decision. I'm sure he'll do what has to be done. But keep an eye on that, folks, because Zach McMath, man, he's balling, he's playing. I got to take issue with the next game that we're going to be talking about. Colorado is in a horrible tailspin. Did LA have to go out and put a six spot on them? I mean, come on. What's what's up with that? <laughs> hey, listen. <laughs> they the goal difference uh is Yeah, I know, I get goal it. Goal difference, goals. But you know what? I will say this. It's not like they tried to run it up. No, I know, know they didn't. <laughs> but it's just like poor Colorado. It's like this yeah, horrible I, like just everything nothing's working out for them. They get a red card like what, two seconds into the match, and then yeah, Galaxy was, just beat them down like just with no mercy. It was interesting because it got when it got to four nil, you could tell Bruce Arena sent the message like, "Listen, foot off the pedal, <laughs> let's take it easy." You started seeing LA players kind of knock it back and forth, kind of like wasting, <laughs> like they're like, "All right, let's just run the clock <laughs> out," you know, "Let's just run the clock out." And then they get, you know, it's almost like they got bored and they're like, "You know what? This is boring. Let's just play." <laughs> and then he's got two more goals, and Colorado was helpless. Colorado's they're, they're done. They're done. They're toast. Uh, they're, they're losing. They they couldn't afford to lose Drew Moore. They needed help even before he got hurt. Once he got hurt, it was a complete shambles. And, and I know that, it, and it's interesting because it, there's these reports about Zach Knight, the, the big Bolton, former Bolton defender. Uh, the Rapids are supposed to be signing him, on the verge of signing him. They're going to sign him. Let me tell you something, folks. Zach Knight is not the answer. Zach Knight is not coming with a with a red cape on to save the day for Colorado. The guy can barely move. He's not necessarily going to come in and become a shutdown central defender. He's not. Uh, I tell you what. Right now, I, I can. I will put money down if he is signed. If they do bring him in, if they do throw him in the starting lineup, he's going to get torched. And anyone who thinks he's going to come in and think that he's the English Premier League version of Zat Knight from six years ago, it's not the case. It's not the case, folks. Because if he was still that player, he would stay in England. He is uh, so Colorado. The season's done. They really, uh, you know. And I feel like I said this a few weeks ago. And, and and obviously it's tough to, to just bag it bag a season when you're still kind of in range, but you gotta you gotta stick to playing the kids. You gotta stick to playing the younger mm-hmm. players, uh, develop them. Look toward 2015 because this year's done, folks. Rapids are done. They're toast. They had their chance. Uh, things just didn't go the way. Injuries and, and and the like. Obviously Shane O'Neill, you lose him for for extended period of time with the knee injury. Drew Moore, obviously you lose him now. Uh, they're they're they are toast. Uh, don't you know? I don't know if they've already signed that night or if it's they're going to sign him this week. But for me, I just think that's a waste of money. But and and I can definitely tell you, I don't. It's not going to be what saves the season for them. I think the biggest question that people are now asking: I mean, is LA the 
team to beat right now in Major League Soccer? See, again, it's September. It's early September. There's no point in talking about who are the real fa- – I mean, LA and Seattle are the top teams, right? They're yeah. playing They're playing the best. You could even say Philly and New England are also playing great. Uh, D.C. is D.C. They, they, they've really put together a really strong season. But L.A. and Seattle, they're in a, they're alone now. In the they're in the VIP section, they're popping the bottles. They're looking like the favorites. But then there's a big bunch behind them, and any of those teams could come in and, and knock them off. Come the come the playoffs. Um, but there's no point in even talking about that right now. Uh, it, it's better to talk about the races for these for the other spots because that's where the action is. That's where the schedule makers have done a great job of setting up. Unbelievable matchups. I mean, you look at uh, Columbus, right? Columbus, uh, big win against Chivas USA. Mm-hmm. They're they're in a playoff position. They're right now in a three-way tie on points with Philly and New England. And guess who they play two times each? They play Philly and New England. So all those games are going to have a little bit of a playoff feel to them. Uh, and, and that is just going to make these next six weeks amazing. I'm already looking at the schedule, trying to figure out where I'm going to go. Because that now now is the time when it kicks in that you know it's great to live where I live because uh, Red Bull Arena is right here, uh, PPL Park is uh, you know hour and a half away, almost that's uh, probably two hours away. Uh, RFK's uh, three and a half hours away, Gillette's three and a half hours away. So I'm gonna be doing a lot of driving in the next seven weeks. I could tell you that. Also, uh, Jazzy Zardis, 14 goals in the season. Ivis, he has a chance to finish. I mean, he's four goals away from Dom Dwyer, but nice opportunity for the young American who should get a call-up for the next round of U.S. friendlies. Could finish second in the league in scoring if he keeps up his pace that he's on right now. He has been on fire since the beginning of August. Oh, my Lord. This should be a drinking game. If if you hear someone say Jesse Zarda should get called up, it should be a drink. Everyone agrees right now. It's I'm all just, hey, I'm just I I'm, on, I'm jumping. I'm not, I'm, I'm not mad at you. I just think it's like it's a dead horse. It was fine to say a month ago, but it's like no... Ish, he's out fourteen goals. No ish. What does he's, that mean? He's he's. I don't. I, I, unlike you, who just decides to drop curses in the show. I I am not dropping. What are you talking about? What, what, not, what do not, I say? You said ass earlier, That's but not, anyway, you you just said it too. <laughs> I know. I I just made the point. See now you you you've corrupted me as well. Oh but anyway, God, don't be so no kidding. No kidding. Jesse's artist is going to get a call up. The guy is is playing out of his mind. Uh, you know, highest scoring American in MLS. He's going to get his chance. We get it, folks. It's going to happen. And it's almost to the point now where people keep saying it. You're in Klinsman's body. Like, you know what? Now I'm not going to call him in. <laughs> I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait till January. Maybe I'll call him in. Because you know what? I do. I decide who gets called in, not jet the public sentiment. But uh, but no, it's been great. Jossie's artist, uh, you know, it, it's funny because I remember last year he got a lot. There was a lot of criticism aimed at him. And, and uh, a lot of people were questioning him as a player. Uh, you know, he was my rookie of the year pick going into the season. That was before he broke his foot, caused them to miss uh, miss you know training camp. He missed part of the beginning part of the season. Then he got played out of position, uh, which really didn't maximize his strengths. Now he's playing where he needs to be playing. Now he's got the experience under his belt. And the guy's a beast. The guy's just crushing it right now. One thing I would like to say though, I really think people need to stop beating the dead horse about the homegrown player tag and that go that's not just a zardis thing oh my that's a, god I, do i feel ivis rant for five minutes it, coming it, on it's, it's a little bit of a rant oh here's my like, god it, hold, on, it, hold on hold on i'm gonna go get a, i'm gonna make myself an adult beverage i'll come back and hopefully it'll be done by that time all right all right all right all i'm saying is this right it's a little questionable 
when people want to get on the uh, like parade around the homegrown player tag on players who played uh, college soccer for four years. He, yes, he played, I agree. Thank you for finally he, saying he, this. I can't stand he, those people. He he played college soccer for four years, folks. Stop trying to take credit for the development of this guy as if he as if you found him as a five year old and you put a galaxy jersey on him and you and you grazed them as a pup from U fives all the way up. And now you're like, oh, he's homegrown. We we raised him. He's our kid. We 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 developed him. He owes everything to us. No, folks, he does not. He so stop with the homegrown tag. Same goes with Harrison Ship. Harrison Ship played four years at Notre Dame. He played four years for Bobby Clark, great 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 coach at Notre Dame, who has developed pros throughout his career as a coach. Uh, I'd like to think he had at least some, if not most, of the credit. Deserve most of the credit for developing Harrison Ship. Same goes for DeAndre Yedlin. Yes, DeAndre Yedlin. Dude, see, yes, hearing, thank you. All we keep hearing, DeAndre Yedlin, homegrown player, homegrown player, Seattle homegrown player, Seattle Sounders, homegrown academy, 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 academy. Guess what, folks? If not for Caleb Porter at Akron University, DeAndre Yedlin would not, would not be who he is right now because uh, Caleb Porter is the one who, who decided to play him as a right back, an attacking right back. And and made him the revelation that he is. Put him in two years playing at Akron, playing with some really quality starting lineups. Uh, a bunch of guys who are also now in MLS, and he is the one who helped polish that that player into becoming the player that he is now. So I get it, MLS. It's all marketing. You want to pump up your guys. You want to homegrown this, homegrown that, homegrown. You know what? Like, give it a break because you know what the reality is. Not only. Uh, we're not even going to talk about the fact that there's homegrown players who didn't even play that much in those academies. They're like the flimsiest homegrown player labels. Uh, maybe a year in, uh, a limited number of training sessions with these teams, but they have these labels. You, you want a legitimate homegrown player? Bill Hamid. Bill Hamid, a DC Academy. He didn't go to college anywhere. He he re- developed by DC start to finish. Pump him up, folks. MLS, you want to you want to pump somebody up, pump him up. But we we want to pump up all these other guys and, and kind of take credit. MLS wants to take credit for developing guys that you know what other people had just as much of a hand, if not more, yeah. of a hand in developing. So See, that that's the end of my rant. I, I've been it's been bubbling for a couple of weeks now. Every time I hear, uh, you know, oh, Justin Zardes, he he's shattered the the homegrown player record for goals. It's like, okay, folks, give it a break. Well, I, I get what you're saying. I, I guess I see to me, I'm okay with Major League Soccer because they are stretching it. In a few years, they're not going to have to stretch it. Mine is just the fans who go out and say, well, Ark, you know, like I'm going to go on around Seattle. When, when the Seattle fans are like, oh, you know, our academy produced DeAndre Yedlin. Dude, he played for Crossfire Premier for two seasons in their academy system for U.S. soccer. I mean, I just I can't stand it when people are starting to lay claim to these guys who played one year for that academy. I, Listen, I I agree with you 100. I'm, I'm gonna it give you I'm, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you a great set, and I'm not gonna name who the player is because I don't, I don't want to get anyone in trouble. I don't want to say anything. But there was a player. At, I'm not gonna say if it was this year, it was two years ago, but there was a player who pretty highly regarded player who uh, a team had homegrown player uh, who had they they were wanted they wanted to claim him as homegrown player, right? Quality player, very talented prospect, uh, and there was some question about whether or not they had a real claim on him. Because of how much, uh, whether or not, how much, did he have the right amount of time into the academy? And there were questions about this. Uh, to the point where I wrote that, you know what, this 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 team might not have this claim on this player. And someone from the team actually called me. And they didn't even know 
if the t- if the league would give them the, the 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 homegrown player rights to this player, they 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 believe they should still get them. But there was this question about maybe it wouldn't even happen. And the whole point of it for me is this: it's like if a guy played like less than two years in your academy, if you play like a year, because now the the, the threshold is like a year. It used to be two years. Now it's a year. Uh, they've even done it with some players like Jose Villarreal, where they let him put in their time after they signed them. <laughs> yeah, I was, like, was going to say that, are, that's this, just that's just an embarrassment. That, like, if you do that, don't call him a homegrown player. Stop it. Stop it, because that's just a joke. You didn't develop him. You 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 snatched him up off of, from some another academy team. And I am listen. No one blame, you can't blame MLS if they want to sign young talent, right? Because they they need to sign those players to give, to keep them from going anywhere else and signing get from Club Tijuana, from Europe, or whatever. You want to get them under contract. That's ultimately the goal, right? You want to get them under contract, but then don't take it a step further and then try to take credit for for developing these yeah. guys. Like that. Like stop it. Like it's a joke. Like I like I, I honestly. And, and and like you did say, and I will I will say this: MLS is investing money in academies. They're putting more money into academies. So you'd like to think more players are going to start getting developed. You look at a team like like uh, Sporting KC with John Kempin, legitimate homegrown player. Uh, Colorado uh, with uh, Shane O'Neill, legitimate homegrown player. Uh, so so yeah, you, there are starting to see some more players. So mm-hmm. I, my thing is, the reality is, up to this point, MLS academies have been underwhelming. When it comes to developing talent, flat out, flat out, no, no two ways about it. And if they try to tell you otherwise, it's absolute crap. And you read this on certain sites that I won't name, but certain sites try to push this MLS homegrown thing. Oh, MLS is doing a great job developing homegrown players when half the guys that they pump up are such flimsy homegrown uh, labels that it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing, especially people who know the reality of, of the development of these players. So. <laughs> I, I look forward. I look forward. You're right. See, you were right. A, a rant was coming. I know. I, I knew it. I, I I look forward to the day when Team X signs a homegrown player, and that homegrown player actually played in the academy for years. Yeah. Uh, didn't spend five years at another academy, and then they grabbed them, got them yeah, for a year, and and then voila, they're an academy player for your team. I look forward to the day when teams are signing. Are players, they're bringing them in young, developing them, putting years into guys, making them better, uh, and and then producing first-team players. That's what the league needs. Because right now, it's a bit of a sham. Because it's because instead of developing these guys, they're finding these guys, tagging them, and then presenting them as if that's what they, they developed them. And that's some crap. Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's a lot of good academy. There's a lot of good... Uh, programs in the country bethesda only i'm sure crossfire you you can i'm sure you can name a ton in, in this yeah, country I mean, you can keep going i mean pda albertson right. Al, albertson is a very right, good right. one so 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 not and what's interesting is you're seeing all these young americans now getting snatched up and and, and going over to europe as 15 6 15 16 17 18 year year olds so the talents being developed in this country but not necessarily by MLS academies, and that needs to improve. That needs to change. And and I think MLS is doing itself a disservice when it, it kind of spins this kind of charade of a booming uh, academy system. When it when they if anything they should be calling in their academy people across the board and saying, "Listen, guys, why have we not produced for a legitimate first a productive first team player yet? Or why have we why do we only have one in five years? Or why is our only 
Why is our homegrown poster boy a guy, a kid who played four years of college soccer when he only played one year of academy soccer for us? When are we going to get our true hometown kid who was an eight-year-old playing in our academy? When are we going to get that? That's what really needs to be addressed instead of the fakery that's going on right now. I agree. Soapbox, put away. Well, no, I'm on the same page with you, man. It's it's the problem is is. You know, for the most part, that Major League Soccer teams that do play in the academy system, I mean, because they all have academy teams, except for Toronto is the only one that doesn't participate in the, in the United States Soccer Development Academy. I mean, for the most part, the MLS teams do have the better players and they have the better teams, but they, there are some one-off ones that, that do do well, like Dallas Texans. Like you said, Bethesda, oh, the Shattuck St. Mary's, and the one PDA that's out there on, you know, in your side of the country. Right. You know, and, and, look- and the other thing that actually really concerns me, and, and, I'll, and I'll say this, in, in the U16 championship this year, LA Galaxy defeated Real Salt Lake. In the U17, U18, there were no MLS teams in that championship game. I forget who. I think PDA won the championship game. That is a cause for concern for me that you did not have a Major League Soccer team in that championship game. Right. Well, I mean... That's it, a bad I, Right. And, and here's the thing. I, this isn't to say that there haven't been any players. Uh, I mean, as a perfect example, Emerson Heinemann. Emerson Heinemann was an FC Dallas... Uh, academy product like he was brought you know from a young age obviously his grandfather was uh the head coach of fc dallas and all that but he put in several years in the fc dallas academy they helped develop him he obviously went to fulham signed to fulham now he's the first teamer at fulham so it's not as if no academies are producing players some academies are some academies have produced players and even more recently when you look at kansas city with john kempen uh uh, colorado uh with shane o'neill and, and I feel like I'm forgetting someone else that they that they recently uh, brought in, or even a Dylan Cerna, who he he I think he only played one year at Akron. So uh, from that standpoint, you know he he I think he put in a decent amount of time in Colorado. So some teams have produced it, but I I just feel like I just feel like there is some serious uh, propaganda going on. And I guess I get it. There's some people they have a job to do. They want they got to spin things. You got to market. You got to promote. Dude, that's what but, PR but guys I, do. Come on, man. I get it, but I just feel like the public. I just feel like the public. Fans who maybe don't follow things as closely and maybe just kind of buy some of this stuff at face value need to know that just because you're hearing player X is homegrown, 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 uh, there there should be – I wish – you know what I wish? I wish there was a way. I wish there was a way that people could see how much time these players actually played for their academy. I would love it. Not that it would happen because it would never, ever, ever happen. I would love it if MLS had uh, a database where it would show – uh, player X spent X years in in, in, in Team Wise Academy, uh, you know, because because you know what, but it would give people some serious perspective. That's all I got to say. Uh, to answer your question, it was PDA Players Development Academy. Well, to answer my question, defeated Bethesda Olney in the Jersey baby. Championship game. Jersey, you, Jer- Jersey, Jersey. Relax, Jersey. take it easy. You, see, <laughs> yes, you, don't, you don't see me repping Arizona like that. That's stupid. I'm just dude. saying. I'm just saying. Jersey. Take, take it That's easy. how we do it. That's how we do it. Hey, take it easy. Uh, <laughs> Look, right. you know me, man. I'm, right. a, we'll, we'll, I'm a huge advocate for the academy system. Right. It will right. it will work yeah. out in a few it's, years it's, from now. It yes. will pay Look, off. The league is investing. The league is investing. But there's got to be some questions about the people running these academies. And there needs to be some accountability as to why there hasn't been more produ- production. And instead of hyping up f- flimsy homegrown claims, how about producing guys who actually – uh, become first team players and become players that you can sell. Uh, you know that that there's not enough of that. And yeah, I know DeAndre Ellen, first homegrown player sold, but like I just told you, 
they should you know what seattle they should give some of that money to caleb porter because if not for caleb porter they would not have that money uh going back to major league soccer because that's the topic that we were on not talking <laughs> academies <laughs> and i just do whatever he wants i mean <laughs> hey mls it's mls related yeah all right, all right all right uh new england defeated chicago two to one in the uh jermaine jones uh Derby or Derby, I don't know, whatever you want to say. <laughs> I did find it a little funny that Jimmy Jones... The, bl- the blind draw yeah, derby. Yeah, the blind draw derby, yeah. I, you know, the one thing that... The big takeaway from this match, obviously, was was that the game-winning goal that Charlie Davies did score, and Jermaine Jones is the one that set that up, and already, right there, it shows what he brings to this team. Toughness, I think he took on... Uh, he was able to dribble through two Chicago defenders and then, and then kind of, like, you know, be strong on the ball, shake them off, dribble through them, and then provide that game-winning assist. I mean, right away, Jermaine Jones showing what the acquisition is going to be for New England. And, uh, I mean, they look so much more dangerous with him out there. I believe the word you're looking for is beasted. Jermaine Jones beasted. beasted. Yeah, yeah. He, beast he, he, Jermaine, Jermaine Jones beasted the yeah. Chicago Fire on the winning goal. And, hey, it's great to see Charlie Davis score. Uh, he's on a nice little roll. It's, it's good to see him back in. I mean, he's, a, he's such a great guy. Uh, you, you know, obviously everything that he went through, you, you love to see him kind of bouncing back. And New England's on a roll, no doubt about it. Uh, Chicago's been, you know, Chicago's funny, man. They've been doing it with mirrors one week. That, uh, I mean, what? How many wins do they have now? Do they have five wins yet? Mm, but five wins. Five wins, right? Uh, but I think this is it for them. I think we can officially say, look, they're done. We can we can stop with the charade. They're not gonna. There's too many other teams ahead of them. They're not going to be a factor in the playoffs. As far as New England, man, New England is on a roll right now, and they Jermaine he was the perfect piece. He, we said it. I, I I wish we had a I wish we could chronicle the stuff we talk about on the show because we definitely we've been saying this for about two months now. We 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 said this so far back that look if if there's a team that could use Jermaine Jones, it's New England. He'd be perfect for them. And now you see why. Now it's not just toughness; it's it's skill. I mean, it's, it, yes, he's tough. He, he's a he's tough, strong. Uh, he just has that alpha male kind of mentality to him. But he's also a skilled player. He can deliver the perfect pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, just you know, obviously the Sporting Kansas City game we didn't get a chance to talk about because we didn't have a show last week. But he hits the perfect cross field switch to Theo Bunbury. Bunbury help ends up producing the game winner. So uh, he has just been perfect for them on the field and off the field. Because again, he's a good locker room guy. He's a good locker room guy. You definitely got that sense with the national team that he's a guy who, while he does have the credentials, he's a Champions League player and all that. He makes the millions, but he's a great locker room guy. And 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 New England, not they already had. I think they already had a good locker room, um, but he makes that locker room even better because now they have kind of a clear cut leader. Because you know, I think every team you need kind of that alpha in the locker room. And and if anything, I think Jose Gonzalez. Uh, you know, thought he could be that guy, but then obviously with the contract issues, he wasn't totally happy. And I think that led to some maybe some some friction there. But now that Jermaine Jones steps in there and it's clear he is the man, I think that actually is going to help Jose Gonzalez because now he knows. Look, Jermaine Jones is the man. You know, we we this is a clear sign that this team wants to make some things happen. I want to win. At the end of the day, I'm a competitor. I want to be. A, I want to be on a winning team. Mm-hmm. So, if anything, the Jermaine, I think the Jermaine Jones signing is going to help get Jose Gonzalez in line and and get him kind of refocused and remotivated and, and motivated and playing like the defender of the year that he was a year ago. So that even more benefits to the Jermaine Jones signing. So now you know people for people are like, oh, they overspent. I mean, yeah, sure, they overspent. They, uh, but he he's worth it. 
if if you're New England, you have the money, you have these aspirations, you have this talented team, why not spend the money? They spent it, and now they're going to reap the rewards for spending that money. Yes, uh, Houston getting defeated Montreal. Well, yeah. Are you? Are you? I think you fell asleep, man. No, I didn't yeah. fall asleep. Uh, Houston defeated Montreal three to two. Uh, big result for Houston. Uh, they keep pace in the Eastern Conference. It might be a little bit too much too late for them to kind of maybe get back in the playoff picture. They're five points behind Philadelphia Union, but still a big win for them. Montreal has looked good over the last couple of weeks. So, uh, I mean, look, for Houston, maybe they'll find a way to backdoor, you know, get themselves into the playoffs, but it might be a little too tough for them, Ivis. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's looking tough. But I got to say, look, they showed a lot of heart because their season was on the line. They lose that game, they're done. They're done. But, you know, they get the win. Giles Barnes came up big, obviously. Ricardo Clark with the winner uh, to keep them alive. But it's got to be a bit of a concern that you give up two goals to Montreal. Uh, you're at home. you got to be a little tougher defensively. Uh, so, they, you know what? They're, they're still in the conversation, and it's Houston and it's Dom Kinnear. You can never write them off. But five points out, I mean, they do have a game in hand. So let's just say hypothetically they win. Two points out. Uh, so they still have a chance, but I don't know. I, I think they're, I don't, I just, when you look at the teams, the, when you look at the top five right now, um, for me, I, I, I honestly thought Columbus, uh, would fall off or I think uh, my projection was that they would fall off because of, uh, of losing the, uh, people Gonzalez, the center back for them. It's huge. That, that's huge. Um, but you know, Houston, I don't know, like they, they're still, they're missing something. They're missing something. Mm-hmm. They, they don't, they don't have that. That marquee kind of attacking, uh, att- marquee forward. Because obviously you have Brad Davis, you have Boniac Garcia, you got some nice pieces there in your midfield. Uh, you know, Will Bruin, he he can he can get hot, but he's not he's not that killer. He's not that like you know, Obafemi Martins, Terry Henry, that type of blue chip guy who you can gu- guarantee will come through every single game. So I think they're a bit lacking, but Dom Kinnear, you can never write him off. The guy makes it happen at the, at this time of the year, every year. So they have a chance. They have a chance. I'm not going to write him off, but this is huge because if they lose this, they're done. Columbus Crew defeated Chivas USA 3-0. to Justin Miram continues his hot streak, scored a brace in this one, first time in his career, I believe. They scored more two goals in a game. I mean, a week after losing to Montreal 2-0, to all of a sudden you're thinking, oh, man, Columbus Crew – not looking hot for them. Good result against Chivas USA, and I mean, don't look now, man. They are they are slowly creating space for themselves in the Eastern Conference playoff race. There's no space. It's a three way tie. What is what space is there? It's like they're moving up. I mean, they're, they're two points ahead of New York, three points ahead of Toronto. Yeah, but New York has a game in up. hand. Look, you beat Chivas USA. A game, a game in hand that doesn't mean anything until you play it. Come on. I agree, but it's a tight. It's tight. It's super tight. They didn't make up any ground because everybody won. Philly won, New York won, New England won. So w- w- they didn't make up any ground. C- Merrim, it's great to see him score. Uh, memo, memo to the league. Uh, actually, just memo to Chivas USA. Oh, Justin, Mer- Justin Merrim, he is right-footed. He has a right foot. He's got a nasty right foot. I think everyone else in the league knows he has a right nasty right foot. Why are you laying off his right foot? It's unbelievable. I, I, I you know what? That's that's awful. That's what I'm sorry. That's awful. So I don't know who. I don't know if it's a scouting thing uh, or what, but that's unforgivable. That's like that's like letting Brad. You know, okay, look, Justin Merrim's right foot is not as good as Brad Davis's left foot, but Justin Merrim's right foot is. He is very right footed, and for him to get off the goals that he got off, it's just it's a joke. But that's Chivas' their disaster. Uh, Columbus, great win for them though. Uh, it gets a lot tougher though. You want to talk about creating space? They will have a chance to create space. 
in the next couple of weeks because they got Houston, New England, Montreal. Yeah, they you know they got to win that one, get their revenge. But then they got New England, Philly, New York, Philly. Look at that schedule, man. Oh man, so th- it's going to be a fun, uh, a fun seven weeks, man. I got to tell you. Uh, and uh, Vancouver and DC played to a scoreless draw. Obviously, as we all know, very difficult to go up to Vancouver, come away with a victory. I know Portland did it the other day. Those are just details. But uh, DC pick up a valuable point against uh, against Vancouver, and uh, they're still top of the Eastern Conference. Uh, can you finally retire the notion that Vancouver is tough at home? It is for some. They, yeah. have, they haven't scored at home in like three games, four games. They're, listen, Vancouver. They are tough at home. Take it mm-hmm. easy, Ivis. How many? Let's see. I got I got you, Vancouver fan, listening to this show. Four. Ivis just hates you guys. Ivis told me off the show that his hatred for FC Dallas is now transferred to Vancouver Whitecaps. So uh, just just let you guys all know. I, I got nothing against Vancouver. That's they not got, what you they, told me. That's not what you told me before the show. They've been shut out five of their last six games. I'm sure even their fans hate them right now. <laughs> I I like I like. Hey, Vancouver's got some cool guys on their uh, team. Hey, look, Carl, <laughs> look, Carl, I'm cool with Carl Robinson. Good guy, great guy. Uh, Omar Salgado, good kid. Uh, they, they got some good kids over there. So they, they, they're, they're, they're nice enough guys, but they can't score. They can't find the net. It's crazy uh, when you think about the pieces they have with Pedro Morales, Darren Maddox, and uh, you know, hopefully all the all the all the Mar Rosales is the answer. He's going to be this great addition for them. Uh, people can shut up because obviously the kid, you know, Rosales. If, if he had something to give, he would he would have gave it to Chivas. Uh, he, he, he's okay, but he's not, he's not the answer. He's not the answer. So I, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, they, they, it's tough. I, I, I still think even with Portland's atrocious defending, uh, that they've been showing in games, uh, recently, I still think Portland's going to beat Vancouver. I still think they're going to knock them off. And it is an interesting one. So Vancouver can't score. Uh, Portland can't stop anybody, uh, at home. Uh, Vancouver goes to Portland. So what's going to happen? They think that's like a, it's going to be like the apocalypse when when they play each other, because uh, what, what's something's got to give, right? Mm-hmm. Either so, I think. And to be fair, I think Portland's going to beat them uh, when they do play. I think Portland will finally figure things out at Providence Park, and that's like not to get into Portland yet. But all right, you know what? I'll, I'll save the Portland thing. I just but I will say it boggles my mind the support they get at Providence Park. And they and they've been horrible at home this year. It's it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, okay. Fine. You want to talk Portland now? Do you, yes. you want to wait? Yeah. Let's talk Portland now. How do you not cover Wondolowski in the box? What the hell is Portland doing? They fell asleep. They fell asleep. Uh, but you know what's crazy? They played really well with the ball offensively. I mean, it's you know I, they could have scored like six goals, five six goals. John Bush played out of his mind. He made a couple yeah. of amazing saves. I don't even know. I think he had like 10, 11 saves. Uh, maybe more. So from the attack standpoint, they played extremely well. Tarleton Tignagby, I don't know what's going on. Uh, it's like someone put a curse on him. The guy cannot score, um, and they need him to start scoring because if they if they're gonna have any chance for the playoffs or uh, to make it the playoffs and to make noise in the playoffs, they need Nagby to start finding the net. Uh, but that defense, man, if you're Caleb Porter, you've got to be pulling your hair out. You got to be going nuts because. Pa, look, not, and not to blame one guy, but Pa Moruka. If you want to put a list together of guys who have who have regressed and who have fallen off from their previous their form of 2013, uh, I think Jose Gonzalez obviously is a guy who's no hasn't been what he was last year. But Pa Moruka has been nowhere near what he was last year, uh, and that's got to 
really hurt Portland because if you're, you know, going into the offseason, Caleb Porter, I'm sure, looked at his team and thought, okay, central defense. I got my man, Pamo Duka, who was a beast last year. Now I just need to get a guy, a technical player next to him, technical center back, and then I'll have my dream center back tandem. I'll have my enforcer, my physical guy, and Ka, my leader, Ka, and then I'll have my technical guy next to him. Then they go and get Noberto Paparato, who just – has really struggled in the league. So that didn't work out. Then they go get Liam Ridgewell, who's look, looking pretty good, looking like a pretty good pickup. But then Kyle's been awful. Kyle's been awful. There's no other way to say it. I know he had a good game against Vancouver uh, in Vancouver a couple weeks ago. But for the most part, the guy's been nowhere near what we saw last year. And if, if, uh, if he doesn't turn it around, if he doesn't snap out of it, if he can't find the 2013 form, Portland is not getting anywhere near uh, a title a title run. All right, well, it's time to put a bow in this conversation on Major League Soccer. I, I think we talked about all the teams. We, we did talk about all the teams, but, but time to move on, Ivis. Time to yes. talk U.S. men's national team. Time to talk about the 1-0 to win the U.S. had over the Czech Republic. We saw some good performances from some players. We saw some promise from some younger players. And uh, overall, it was, it was a great performance and a great showing from the young Jurgen Klinsmann side. Uh, this past week on Wednesday, it was a pro- it was promising. Uh, I, I would say that. I mean, I think there were positives and negatives, which is what you expect. You know, you have a young team. You've got some guys playing different roles. You've got Klinsman experimenting a bit with the midfield setup that he had. Uh, obviously, you had guys playing their first cap, uh, getting their first caps for the national team. Uh, and, and you know what? Coming away from and here's the thing: the result doesn't really matter, right? I mean, it's great that you, you want to win, obviously, but the result is mm-hmm. kind of meaning, meaningless. What, what you want to come away from is, is some stuff to chew on from an analysis standpoint if you're the coach or if you're a follower of the team. And I think Klinsman came away with some stuff that he can definitely chew on when it comes to uh, how some players stepped up, how some players struggled. Uh, you know, I, I think for me, you know, Mixed Discrew did well. And, and he's done well before, right? Yeah. This isn't some revelation. He's done well in big games. I mean, the Gold Cup final, he, he stepped up. He was SBI man of the match for mm-hmm. the Gold Cup final. Uh, so from that standpoint, how big, how important is that really? I mean, he should step, he should do well in that setup. So good for him. He did well. Positive. That's a positive. Uh, for me, Joe Jow. I thought Joe Jow did well. And I know there's some debate about that because I know I know some people were kind of ripping on the kid and saying that he didn't necessarily play well. Oh, my and, God. I know. It's true. And And my thing is this, right? Anyone who looks at him and looks at his game and look at his looks at his ninety minutes and says he was bad because he wasn't the finished product is totally missing the point. Did he was he did he hit across as well? No. Uh, did he kind of get caught out in, in certain occasions defensively? Yes. But he's a young player and you have to look at what he does bring to the table and what he can work on and can he help your team? And for me, the guy showed quite a bit. The guy can. He can take people on. Mm-hmm. He can make things happen. He can get forward. He can disrupt the defense. He can unsettle the defense. And I think that can only help. No one's saying the guy's going to step in and start for the national team when the Gold Cup kicks off next summer. No one's saying he's going to be the starter at Copa, uh, Copa America in 2016. But for a first cap, to see a young player in his first cap be that uh, confident, that aggressive, and that dangerous mm-hmm. at when he had the ball going at people, how do you not come away impressed by that? That like for me, I was impressed. Uh, I thought he showed some promise. He wasn't afraid to take people on. That that's what I took away in his first cap. I mean, he he looked like he's been there, done it before. 
Right. I, I mean, don't, I don't get why people are dogging on him. It's his first yeah, game. He's I mean, 21 years old. Everyone right. chillax. Right. And look, at the end of the day, how many great, how many quality, pure wingers are there in the system? I mean, there's not like <laughs> Klinsman isn't like sit. You know, he doesn't have like three or four Angel Di Marias in his speed dial. It's not happening. So you look for guys who can give you something different. Guys who can make a difference. Who can give you a different element? Because let's face it, when you want to talk about speedy attacking players. How many are there in the pool? Not many. There's a reason you took DeAndre Edlin and made him your speedy attacking player in Brazil. So I liked what I saw from Joe Jao. I know some people didn't necessarily agree, but hey, opinions vary on everything. So everyone's entitled. My opinion, I thought he showed him quite a bit, and I'd like to see more of him, and I'm sure I'm not alone in that. Uh, do you want to talk about bad performances? No? Uh, well, those weren't the only good ones. I thought John Brooks did well. Yeah. Uh, and Nick Romano, let's face it, Nick Romano was man of the match. Mm-hmm. Out, you know, played out of his mind. But again, listen, Romano's a shot stopper, extraordinaire. No one can deny that. Um, but there's no, you know, there's more of the position than that. And, you know, I don't think, I think most people agree that, look, even with that amazing performance, Brad Guzan is still your number one. Uh, and I think that's the case. But Romano shows that the gap between him and Guzan, if something, you know, knock on wood, you know, heaven forbid, if anything happened to Guzan and you had to start, Nick Romando, it wouldn't be the end of the world. He could get, he could handle the job. Uh, as far as guys who struggled, uh, I mean, it's, I feel like this game was a hundred years ago, so long ago. But uh, I think the easy one, obviously, right off the bat, Breck Shea looked atrocious. Klinsman needs to just stop calling him in uh, for his own good because yeah. I don't think it helps. I, I, I maybe I'm wrong, but I can't see how it helps you to get called in and then you play and then you look awful. Like it doesn't like. How does that help you? How does that give you confidence? Like, let the guy get settled. He's in a nightmare situation with his club. Uh, they haven't loaned him. Uh, he's he's stuck there, not getting playing time, wasting away. Uh, he he just looked awful. He just looked awful. Um, who, who did who did you think look? You give me you give me some guys. Who did you think looked bad? Uh, well, I mean the guys looked good. I agree with you on that. I, I thought. I mean, Joe Corona really struggled in this match for me. I, I mean, it just maybe because he was overshadowed. Mixed discrude looks so good, but I mean, Joe Corona just didn't really do much in the midfield at all in this game. Yeah, I think the system uh, didn't do him any favors because I think uh, I think Klinsman was being a little ambitious in in wanting all three of his cent- you know they played a four three three, and I think he wanted all three midfielders to kind of be two way guys. Uh, discrude obviously had a little more of a, it seemed like he had a little, a little more responsibility staying deeper but I, I don't think corona i don't think the system uh helped him any I, and, and i think he struggled because of that he was pretty invisible um i thought tim chandler played well actually tim chandler as, as somebody played well bobby and johnson played well mm-hmm. uh they, there were more guys who played well than didn't play well um so I, I, i'm trying to think who did who really hurt themselves well, what, okay I, this guy didn't hurt himself but what, one thing i kind of want to point out is some people are dogging on josie outdoor once again i mean he didn't really have much opportunities and really didn't have much service but the the one thing that i did like about josie outdoor he was active he was dropping down he was holding a play he was boxing out defenders earning fouls he did everything else that you want him to do he didn't score yes i understand that but for i did see some people kind of go out and say oh outdoor didn't have a good game he didn't score once again waste blah 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 dude if he doesn't get service he's not going to score but he did all the little things that you want to see him do. He's contributing. I can't even say that word right now. It's too late. But he's helping out. <laughs> but he's helping out in other ways that, that you want him to help out. You know, you don't want him just sitting up there and, and pitching a ten and not doing anything. So I, I, yeah, I thought Outdoor yeah. had you know had a, had a you know 
he had a good, good match. It wasn't great. It wasn't amazing. But it was, I don't know it was, if I'd call it a good match. I wouldn't say bad. I, I just yeah, think it's, it's maybe good the answer. He didn't get service. He didn't get service. You can't, I don't think you can give him a good grade. But, uh, you know, when you had the setup, they're playing in that 4-3-3. And, that, and I think the midfield three had their issues kind of figuring things out. So you didn't get any service really from them. And if anything, there was a pretty there was, they seemed like there was a pretty good gap between the forward line and the midfield. You're not getting any service from them. And then the two guys that are playing on the on the flanks, you got Julian Green, you got Joe Jow. Joe Jow's, you know, his he's not his crossing isn't up to par. He needs to work on his crossing. So you're not getting crosses from that side. Uh and then Julian Green, he started off well and then he kind of faded. Mm-hmm. So so Altador just didn't really have support. So uh, it's it always comes down to the same thing. There are people who who there are some people who are going to have an issue with every game that Altador plays, and, and he doesn't score a goal. Um, but for me, I still think you know what you put him on the field with Dempsey, Michael Bradley, uh, <coughs> Landon Donovan. Uh, just kidding. Uh, you put him on <laughs> field with guys. You got to put you put him on field with guys who can connect, who can combine, who can who can hit him hit a good ball to him. Like you remember the Nigeria game, he got some service and he scored the goals. He he will score if the chances are there, uh, but he just didn't get any. He didn't get any. And let's face it, it's not like he's playing ninety minutes on a regular. So is he a hundred percent sharp? No. But I agree with you. He showed some things. Mm-hmm. And anyone who says he didn't do anything, he didn't show anything, I think that's a little that, that's 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 a little unfair. I agree. I agree. Yeah, man. I mean, it is what it is, right? I mean, it's it's it'd be one thing if if you know. You know, Jao and Green's crosses, they, they were p- pumping in crosses and Altidore was just whiffing. Or if they were combining and his first touch was letting him down. Uh, you know, he did what he could do in the in yeah. the framework of the game. So uh, I, I, I think, if anything, I think people should probably uh, hold off on any judgments on Altidore until the Gold Cup. Because once you get to the Gold Cup and it's the first choice squad and it's a competition, it's a tournament... Then, then there you go. Then you can start judging him and say, okay, here he's got everyone. There's no, you know, this is the group now. If he can't produce with the group, then maybe you start looking elsewhere. But like, like same we said with Joe Zhao and, and and there being no Angel Di Maria's on speed dial, uh, he Joe, uh, you know, Klinsman also doesn't have a, a ton of forwards at his disposal right mm-hmm. now. Terrence, Terrence Boyd is, is sidelined with the knee injury, uh, and then and who else is there, right? I mean, obviously Jesse's artist is doing well, but he's he's yeah he's zero caps. He, he's so far down in, in in the framework of things. So Joel Zyatsu is going to be your guy, folks, whether you like it or not, whether you whether you hate him, whether you love him. Altidore is he healthy? He's going to be your starter at the Gold Cup, and then wait until then to start doing the hand wringing about how he doesn't how he's a bad forward. Uh, I also want to say is I noticed you d- you did tweet this out, but this is another feather in Jurgen Klinsmann's hat. You can't take too much from this, but it's another win for the U.S. on European soil. You add in there the comeback against Bosnia and Herzegovina. You have the Italy match in there. They did draw Russia. You get this one. I think I'm leaving one more out, but I mean, look, it's it's another solid performance. Look, look, I don't want to say solid performance, but it's another positive result from a U.S. team on European soil. Yeah, I mean, I'd say it's a positive experience. Um, you know, when you want to talk about a young team uh, going uh, playing an international uh, on the road, uh, getting that experience of winning a game is a positive. It's it, it, it's something that, that kind of you you know you've been there. It's a been there, done that thing. So when when you get into other in, uh, environments and situations when you're on the road, 
it helps you because you've been in that an environment. But look, let's face it, playing a half empty, uh, playing the Czech Republic in a half empty stadium isn't necessarily going to get you ready for Azteca uh, in the hex. But it's it's a process, it's a gradual process uh, for these guys, for these young players, and and obviously some of these guys, you know, they look they've played some big games already, right? I mean, if you're you know if you're great, uh, if you're you know Joe Corona. Or if y'all are 100 Bedoya, you're playing in in league on, and and he played in the World Cup already, so it is what it is. But for some of the younger guys, um, I think it helps. And and yes, four wins on on European soil uh, under Klinsman, it's pretty good, right? Was it Italy? Well, what are the four now? And it's funny, I wrote this down: Italy, Czech Republic. Uh, I'm not even going to try to remember. But anyway, four Bosnia, wins. And there's one, there's one more. Slovenia, Slovenia. Yes. So that's four. And look, it's not murderers row. I mean, obviously the Italy game, they were outplayed, but they won. You know, they held up well defensively. But I think those things help. I think they help the uh, the, the development of these guys uh, because you, those experience. I think they help. I think they help because uh, you you know you know next time you go maybe you play a better opponent in Europe, uh, you, and it's not as much of a you know overwhelming situation. So I think it's good. I think it's good. And uh, moving over to the collegiate game, it was not a good weekend for the Pac-12, Pac-10. Well, Pac it's not Pac-12 because not, not all the programs have been soccer. But not a good weekend for the Pac-12 soccer, men's soccer teams, Ivis. They had some upsets this past this past weekend. I know. The shake, shake up in the top 25. UCLA loses to American University Who? on Friday I think they might have been looking ahead a little bit to the to the game on Sunday against New Mexico. Uh, credit to American by all accounts, they outplayed UCLA. Uh, it wasn't kind of it wasn't a fluke. Uh, they really outplayed them and they won two to one. Uh, UCLA did rebound and beat New Mexico on Sunday in another battle of ranked teams. Uh, and then Washington was upset by St. Mary's. Uh, that's a big upset. I think Washington had uh, blown out some teams early on. They look like a force and they you know they're a top top ten team and. Uh, top five team, and they get knocked off by a uh, tiny St. Mary's. Uh, the one of the games of the week, Maryland and UMBC, was a bit of a snoozer. That was on Friday. I watched that one actually online, uh, and that ended up zero zero. Uh, you know that that one. I'm sure there were some pro scouts there uh, to check out UMBC center back Umar Balo, who's in the SBI top forty MLS draft prospects. He was there as well. Obviously, you know you have Maryland and you have their standout goalkeeper Zach Steffen. But that one ended up 0-0. So there were some upsets for sure. It'll be a shakeup to the next top 25. But uh, you know, if you if you want to keep up on your college stuff, on your college soccer results, definitely check out SBI. Uh, we'll have the weekend wrapped up for you on Monday. And before we close out the show, we have reached the SBI Q&A. Remember, everyone, you can always submit your questions on Twitter using hashtag AskTheSBIShow at any time. It could be at 5 in the morning. It could be 2 in the afternoon when you're supposed to be working and have nothing else better to do. You can submit questions relating to soccer. They don't always have to be about soccer. You could ask about Ivis' personal life, and I'll probably answer those questions. So (laughs) submit them at any time. First question comes from Beer J. What's up, dude? Beer Jay, he always asks questions all the time. He's a good guy. Do you have any scenario? He asks, do you have any scenario where an East team wins MLS Cup at this point? Is that a serious question? Come on. Of course there's scenarios. I mean, it's one it's a one game final. And let's not act like uh the teams out west cannot lose to the teams in the East. That's a little unrealistic. KC, when they're on their game, can still beat any of those teams in the West. Uh that, as I said earlier in the show, we shouldn't take this four game losing streak as Oh, they're done. They're finished. They're not going to be a threat. 
DC United is a tough team. They they could potentially win. Yes, the West is more likely to win because Seattle and LA are playing really, really well. Uh, so those teams you'd like to think are, you know, the way they're playing right now, they look really like really good bets. But I wouldn't go chiseling the MLS Cup with a we- like Western Conference logo just yet. Uh, next question comes from Jonathan Milan. Who is the next American young player you see moving abroad from MLS? Uh, that's a good question, man. I don't, I don't know if I have a, a name, you know, how about Bill Hamid? I'm going to say Bill, uh, Bill Hamid, maybe, you know, and again, he's young, he's really young for a goalkeeper. So, uh, maybe, uh, maybe teams aren't ready to kind of put the money down and, uh, but I could see him going, I could see him going. Uh, he's someone that comes to mind, a uh, Moby Akugo, uh, he's in the final year of his contract with the union. Uh, I know there's been some interest in Germany, uh, in him. He could he could move he could absolutely move and I think he would jump if uh, if the right offer comes comes from overseas. Next question comes from J T Dulaney. How is Georgetown O O and two ahead of other teams with a win in your college rankings? Pretty simple because they play tough teams. Uh, just because uh, Team X played uh, Sisters of the Poor and Sisters of the Blind and is two and O does not mean they are better than a Georgetown team. Who got ties against strong opponents? Like that's just—I know other people want to do it their way. Everyone's entitled to do. Everyone has. There's. A, I don't know how many rankings are out there, uh, but I would say I really think the the, the official NSCAA rankings are for me. I'm sorry, they're a joke. They're a bit of a joke. Uh, obviously, you know, coaches aren't spending a lot of time scanning all the results and and reading up on all the games, but they uh, of the past weekends and past weeks. But they have to rank. They have to put these votes in. They look at records. They go strictly by record. But for me, I'm sorry if you know if Team A is a powerhouse. They played another powerhouse. They lose. Does not all of a sudden mean they're not a powerhouse. It just doesn't work that way. Like I, I, that's just I, I've always done my rankings that way, uh, where I don't penalize uh, good teams uh, for playing tough schedules because we want teams to play tough schedules. And let's, let's face it, there's some teams out there that haven't played tough schedule. And it's early still. It's early. It'll all balance out, right? Because, I mean, I'll give you an example. Marquette. Now, I knocked Mar- Marquette out of, out of my top 25 after they lost both their games in opening week. But I can tell you what. I don't think, for me, there are 20 teams better than Marquette. They're not. They just aren't. But they lost. Why, why you got to be hating on Marquette, dude? What's your problem? I'm I'm giving them love. I just said. Oh, even good. I'm making sure. Even, even though they're 0-2, I don't think there are 20 teams better than them. But you know what? They're 0 and 2, so I didn't put them in the top 25. Um, but for the other teams, like there were teams that had one loss or Georgetown that's 0 and 2. I'm sorry, folks. I'll, you can go have your 3 and 0 team that that opened against uh, you know crap opponents. I'll take Georgetown. We'll set the matchup. Georgetown will blow the doors off of 95% of the teams in the country. So that's why uh, I kept them in the rank. JT also does not go to Georgetown, so. Not a homer, or maybe he's just a Georgetown fan. And he just goes to a different school. So no, no, he's he's no, he's upset that Georgetown is ranked. I know, but I'm just saying. Oh, wait, wait, I remember. Dude, it's too late for me. I, I yeah, you, you you definitely read that wrong. Yeah, I he, read that wrong. All right, all right. I'm sure he probably he probably goes to Syracuse. No, no, no. He actually fan. goes to Loyola, Maryland. I've never even heard of that school before. Well, that's one of the you know they're they're a small school and you know they're probably his team's probably two and zero and he probably wishes they were in the ranked rankings. <laughs> but listen, if you want your school to be ranked, beat a ranked team, beat some ranked teams, develop uh you know develop uh that kind of status, Amer- you know, and then you can be ranked. 
Let's check here. I'm checking their schedule. They're the Greyhounds. Their their <laughs> website's too confusing. All right, I'm over it. <laughs> exactly right there. Get your. That's why they're not. That's why. That's why your school's not ranked because their website's not up to snuff. Yeah, I'm checking. Let's oh, here, here it is. Here it is. They are. They're one and two. Yeah. So he must. He must be asking for for some other reason. Yeah. He uh, must hate. He really hates Georgetown. Yeah, maybe. Uh, next question comes from Big Time Brownie Nihal. What up, man? Is Nix, he asks, is Miss Discord good enough to make a move to a top European league? And if so, will he? It's hard to say. When you say top league, I mean, I think for me, I'd like to see him in the Netherlands. I think that'd be a, a nice a nice fit for him, the Dutch league. The Dutch league's not a top four league. Uh, I don't know if I've seen enough for Discord to tell me that, oh, he's good enough for the top four league. I don't. I have not seen that. Uh, he and look, he's had some good games for the national team. He's also had some bad games for the national team. So he's a little inconsistent on that front. Uh, it's not like he's dominated uh, at Rosenborg. It's not like he's been this unstoppable force at Rosenborg. So uh, from that standpoint, I don't know how anyone's looking at him and saying, "Oh, he's someone who should be getting a move to a top four team." Personally, I'd love to see him in a, in a league like the Dutch league, or you know, even France. I mean, in France, a tough league as well. So. I don't know what his options are, but uh, top four. Def- I don't. I, I don't think he's shown enough to say he's in that conversation for a top four league. Uh, next question comes from Rick. Do you see older players coming to MLS help build it as a quality league or give it a gimmick like feel? I don't like. What does that even mean? Like gimmick? Like like what? What's the like last? They're coming to- over for paychecks. I think that's what he's asking. Okay, but here's the question: Who's the last uh, older player? Who came over for a big payday, and and just didn't give you anything? And I, I'll give you the answer, Rafa Marquez. Yeah, he was a bad signing, but at the time of the signing, he was coming from Barcelona. He still he was still with the Mexican national team. Now you're going to have some signings that just don't don't pan out, right? So I, I don't like it'd be one thing if they, if MLS was sign, like if they were signing a 40 year old player, that'd be one thing, like <clears throat> Cuauhtémoc Blanco in Liga MX, even though he could still play. But I, I get in the past, if you want to go back, right, if you want to go back to like circa 2000 in MLS when you, Lothar Mateus came into the league, uh, Luis Hernandez came into the league, and those guys just didn't bring anything. And they took their big paychecks and they didn't give you much. Um, I In the past, I get that that's happened. But look, at when you want to talk about big signings in recent years, uh, David Beckham, he was great for the league. Robbie Keane, he's been amazing for the league. Terry Henry been amazing for the league uh so i mean i, I don't know if this is even a, a question anymore because I, I i feel like i feel like teams are a little smarter about what the, the players that they go after i mean who do you mean do you mean frank lampard like why does anyone think that's bad for the league to bring frank lampard over i, think I mean he's, he's gonna be good he's a quality player yeah. he, he's someone and if you bring quality players over that can help not only elevate the uh, the visibility of the league but also they help it helps younger players to be around uh, those type of players. If they're good locker room guys. Now look, Frank Lampard has a reputation of being a good locker room guy. So if NYCFC has some young Americans uh, on that on that squad, how are they not going to learn from a Frank Lampard? Or even a David Villa uh, training next to uh, training with Villa and Lampard. Like, like the, those are, that, that's great. You know, like, it, so, I mean, through the years, have there been players who came over uh, older in their career, yeah, but I think I think we're seeing less of that. I think I don't think we're seeing 
the 34, five, six year olds anymore because we've seen, you know why? Because uh, that you, you know, take a guy like Mikhail Sylvester, right? Mikhail Sylvester came over, got hurt right away, didn't really play. But again, he wasn't a big money signing. He was an older player. Uh, so if anything, I think the league has gotten smart about, uh, you know, not wasting millions on guys who just aren't going to get the job done. Next question comes from Corey Hurst. Any chance you could go over the MLS CBA, some issues, representatives, potential outcomes? Hey, why don't I just uh, why don't I just break down War and Peace for you? How about that? Or maybe the Bible? Do you want me to break down the Bible for you? Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Look, the why CBA. You be, why you gotta be mean to Corey, dude? He's asking a question, man. Uh, I know, and I'm I'm busting his chops. So welcome to the club, Corey. Um, it's such a convoluted and complex subject. It's not for the. It's not something you're gonna get get into in a Q and A. We're gonna get into the CBA down the road when it when the time when when it's actually a pretty good time. Uh, we're still there's still so much other stuff to talk about right now. The CBA will have its day. Trust me, because I really think uh, it's gonna be. You know, you'd like to think the team, the the players are gonna step up and fight for the things that they want. That because they, I mean, for me, the 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 players laid down. Uh, last CBA, the the players did not get much at all in the form of concessions last time around. Uh, I still don't think we're going to get free agency. I think the cap's going to be bigger. Uh, obviously, uh, I think it's going to have to go up. Uh, but there's so, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff to get into with the CBA. We will absolutely touch on that when the time comes, which will be in the off season. Next question comes from Nicholas Murray. He asks, "Who is your pick to win the USL Pro Championship?" Murray. Murray. Oh, my God. I can't believe I just did that. I just did it twice now. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. What is, it? what is it with you and that name? I don't know, man. I don't even. That's <laughs> the second time I've done that now. All right. I did uh, it with. Uh, uh, who writes your. What's your. Um, Frank Fart. Kate, Caitlin Murray. Caitlin Murray. That's right. <laughs> I'm horrible at that last name. I don't know why. Oh, oh God. I suck. <laughs> All right. Uh, what was the question now? I, I, he I, I he wants not... to know, and Nicholas is the, the fine PR guy for USL Pro, so he wants to know who is your pick to win the USL Pro Championship. Well, I guess Orlando's the pick, right? Everyone, uh, yeah. They they were they looked they were unstoppable uh, up until they clinched the top spot, and the question is, can they turn it back on? That's not always easy. Yes, they'll be fine. Orlando should win it. What about Sacramento, man? What about uh, you know? I don't know, man. It's just Brad. Sacramento's a good team, but Orlando's just on another level. I mean, and just from watching the teams this season, it was—I will say, man—it was kind of fun working for USL Pro and kind of just seeing the, the some of these younger guys step up. One, one team that you know people I really liked was LA Galaxy too. Bradford Jamison, man, I, I like him a lot. I think he's going to be a, a superstar in the future. All right, let's just talk about the the winner of the title. Uh, I say you know, it's Orlando, man. Orlando was going to take it. They should, they should, but I, I don't know. I feel like in the in through the years, when a team is going to move on to an, uh, a higher level, they, they kind of choke it at the end. Uh, I feel like I, I feel like Montreal. I feel like that happened with with what are one of the was it Portland, Seattle, Montreal. I feel like I've seen it happen. Um, but I'm gonna go. Yeah, you know what? I'll go Sacramento in the, a shocking upset. I'm gonna go with Orlando. Uh... <laughs> Final question comes from Jarrett Savelli. Why has Nagby been unable to put the ball in the back of the net this season? Uh, he someone put a curse on him. I gotta say, because it's like 
there's been so many situations. I mean, he he's still a great player, no doubt about it, right? He's a handful, one of the most dangerous players in the league. But for some reason, the guy's just not finishing. He's just not finishing, and uh, we saw it again today. So I don't know what the problem is, but if he doesn't start finding the net, uh, Portland's gonna Portland's. They have other players. They have not, obviously uh, Valeri's good. Fernando Adi is dangerous. Khalif Al-Hassan came off the bench today and gave you something. But they need Nagby to be a scoring threat because without that, they're, they're just not going to go very far in the playoffs. And with that, that concludes the SBI Q&A and concludes the show. Before I let you go, Ivis, anything else we need to talk about? I think that's it, man. I think, oh, oh, hey, listen, you know, we always bring it up, but if you have not given us a review on iTunes, mm. please do so. It's been a while. We haven't gotten any uh, any fresh reviews. Uh, <laughs> any, any, you know, any hatefuls? <laughs> hope you die. <laughs> not, we haven't gotten any new reviews lately, so it's always nice to get some reviews. We need, you know, it's good to get our egos uh, boosted a little bit or shot down, as it happens every once in a while. Um, but it's good. Yeah. Either, e- either way, we want to we want to get feedback. We want to get feedback. So let us know. Uh, and yes, we know we want to start getting guests back on the show. We we just have to figure that out. Uh, hopefully, hopefully now we'll start doing some daytime recordings uh, in the near future, which should left, will obviously help. So uh, hopefully that works out. And if you have any recommendations for the show, let us know. Here, here, Ivis, I agree with what you just said. Hopefully, we do <laughs> get some daytime shows. I can already see some suggestions. Have Garrett be awake for the show. Probably one of them. I'm awake for today's show. <laughs> you're, you're like, you've been dozing. I feel like you've been dozing. Well, all. my sinus has been acting up, so I did take two Benadryl before the show. That I did drink a Red Bull, so like I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm, I don't know. But Benadryl wants me to sleep, but Red Bull's keeping me awake. You know, it's like a weird combination. You know. <laughs> oh man. Stop it. Oh, I know. <laughs> that goes back to the whole buying crack at the grocery store. <laughs> yeah, exactly. People, people are going to start talking, man. People are going to start thinking you No, we, we had one of those haboobs. We, we had, it's a haboob. It's like a dust storm that came in that came in yesterday. And whenever we had one, it just like it messes up my sinuses. It's like a fast-moving dust storm, you know, like the things that you see like in the Middle East. We get those out here now because the drought is so bad. It's, it's insane, man. You should see these things. It's like a wall of just dirt you can see it. it's like it's like like a couple so wait, miles wait, wait, away it overcomes you in like so seconds so you so you so you had, <laughs> so you had some dust up your nose this weekend is that what you're, saying? <laughs> you're, so, you're so stupid Garrett, stop it you're so come stupid on. <laughs> come on man we, we're gonna get you in a program don't worry about it <laughs> i'm kidding folks i'm kidding you're garrett st- is a you're stupid garrett lives a clean life i hate you well not, now, now that he's practically married he's clean got the clean living going yeah um Right. He's, a, he's practically you officially you're you know I, I think it's fair to say you're practically married when you start tweeting on behalf of your significant other. Oh, that, dude, that, I'm just helping that, her that, out. Take it easy. <laughs> that counts as common law marriage in some what's, states. What's, I think. No, it doesn't. That's just me just <laughs> being nice. Come on, man. That's just yeah. I don't even know. Relax. That's just me being nice. Take it easy. I believe part of your anatomy is in a jar right now. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. You're stupid. Just, just kidding. No, you're not. You're being serious. I am. I know. <laughs> you know I love you. I'm sure we're going to get all kinds of uh, people. Yeah. Why, why are you so mean to Garrett? <laughs> I know. I love Garrett. Garrett's my yeah, guy. Why, yeah. Why are you mean to me? I got to keep you in check, man. I got to keep yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, right. I, you got to keep that ego in check so you can stop flexing. Oh, yeah. At, cause, yeah I, my, stop my flexing ego. at church and you know all that stuff you're doing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> My my dad, you know what? Never mind. Anyways, uh, 
<laughs> all right. Let's that, go. That wraps up today's show, man. Anything else we need to talk about? No, nah, let's wrap it up. Let's try to keep it under 130. It's yeah, too late. It's already over 130. <laughs> oh, my God. I, know. <laughs> I apologize. That's because you, you did your freaking rant for about 10 minutes. I know. That's That could have been its own show. It could have been its own show. Next time. Next yeah. time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Please. I'm sure people would love to hear us talk you, you know, U.S. Soccer Academy for 45 minutes. Actually, I'm MLS, sure some people would actually like it. MLS Academy rant? Oh, yeah. I bet. Yeah. I bet. Hey, well, dude, when we get our daily show, you know, when we're working for ESPN and... You know, we have our daily the Garrett and Ivis show. I get top billing in, in this in this scenario. You know. <laughs> then we can dedicate shows to, to certain things, you know? I don't think your name is gonna be on the marquee when we make it. Oh please, dude. I will for <laughs> sure I will for sure get top billing. <laughs> and, and especially if it's a live show. All right. Here, here, we'll here's see. the thing. This this is what the show is like. The show is like the JFK Nixon debate, right? You come off great. You're like Nixon when people listen to the radio. I mean, you come off good, but in person, you know, people see me with my hair, you know, and, and, and you know, how good looking I am. I come off as like JFK, and, and that's what's going to happen when we get, you know, daily show. People are going to see, look at me, and they're not going to care what you say because they're going to be like, damn, Garrett's so good looking. He's always right. That's what's going to happen. That's why I, that is, this is why I will get top billing. They're going to be like, you're shorter than I thought. And I feel like this joke is over probably 80% of the listeners on this show, so. Sorry, man. This is this is a very political. Whatever. You know what? It's one yeah. o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, it's time to time to wrap it up. All right, uh, Ivis. I'll let you go, man. We will. We you and I will for sure connect for another show later this week. Yes, Tuesday. Tuesday. Let's make it happen. Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday show. Let's okay, fine. I'm not doing anything Tuesday. All right, let's do it. Make it happen. We'll have a guest. I'll get. A, I'll make a couple of calls. Call up some peeps, and we'll, we'll get a show going. Okay, works for me. All right. Uh, you have a good night, dude. You too. All right, Ivis, I'll talk to you later. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. And as Ivis said, if you can, please give us your review. Throw us a comment. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. We're always looking for feedback from you guys. Ivis and I will be back again later this week. This is DSBS Show. <laughs>